John Thorrington, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 144 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. This week, we are guestless, but we have a ton of news that has dropped in the black and gold community that we want to go over. So let's go ahead and introduce the lineup tonight. As always, my name is Jonathan Reimer. Joining me this evening, got the full crew tonight, none other than Christopher Sines and Christian Aparicio. Gentlemen, good evening and welcome. Thank you, Jonathan. Nothing. We thought we had a lot of news last week, right? Last episode. But of course, more news, getting more and more excited, more incomings, some outgoings, but you know, getting ready to talk about this. So Chris, what do you think? I love this. I love recording on Tuesdays. We have plenty of information. No information appears to drop on a Tuesday, only on Mondays. I love this. That'll just be our luck that tomorrow, like a bombshell will drop like, oh, I don't know, Gareth Bale will retire or something like that. But um, we'll get to that news in a moment. We are going to tackle the week's news chronologically. And we're going to dive into a couple things that happened. I was fortunate to be one of the few people who attended the press conference this week. So we'll dive into the presser a little bit. We've got some signings and we've got some shakeup going on in the front office that we're going to touch on as well, too, as well as all the rest of the news that's dropped this week. So let's go ahead and get into it, folks. First thing to come out since our last recording was the announcement of the preseason roster. So goalkeepers Max Crepeau, John McCarthy, Abraham Romero, Jasim Kolilat were all announced as being on the lineup. The addendum to that being that uh, Eldon Jakubovic has been added as well too during the course of the week. Defenders on our preseason roster, Giorgio Collini, Eric Duenas, Mamadou Fall, who is of course still out on loan, Julian Gaines, Ryan Hollingshead, Tony Leone, Aaron Long, Daniil Maldonado, hey, Jesus David Mario, Chiki Palacios, and Noah Dolenmeyer, our draft pick, makes the squad for preseason, which was to be expected, but still good to see. In the midfield, we've got Kellen Acosta, Jose Cifuentes, for now, Daniel Cris Sostomo, Francisco Ginella, still out on loan, and Ilya Sanchez. Absolutely not enough people there, so I'm sure by the time we get to our next episode, there will be a midfielder or two to talk about, or at least some rumors swirling around that position. Finally, in forward position, Chicho Arango, Stipe Buk, Denny Buanga, Mahala Opoku, Nathan Ordaz, Christian Torres, Carlos Vela, and Gareth Bale were all announced as being expected to take part in our preseason roster. Something, again, we'll speak on in just a moment with the news around the departure of Gareth Bale. Gentlemen, any big surprises there for you or glaring omissions from our preseason roster? Makes sense, right? I think some of the ones that we thought would not be here was Sebastian Mendez. So that's official. He's at Sao Paulo. Franco Escobar rumored potentially i guess confirmed going to houston so these make sense to me i'm happy about some of the the announcements that we'll talk about soon here that are on here especially the goalkeeper yeah i don't think that there's any kind of the blaring omissions you know i i'm i'm excited to see who is going to be coming down and joining the black and gold in the next couple of weeks especially some of the telling information that came from John Thorrington during those press conferences that you were at, Jonathan. This roster is simply in its infancy and it's not even close to being completed. And, you know, what's to say also, you know, we've all we all know that that LAFC is going to be having its MLS next roster at some point this season and and who knows what that's gonna entail and who's gonna be on that. So I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of players signed over the next couple of weeks. I feel it. Yeah, we've got 
two complete rosters to fill out a senior squad that is expected to participate in upwards of 60 games if they advance through most of these competitions we partake in. Uh, those names we just listed is is not enough players to play 60 games in, in the course of the next eight months. So uh, there's definitely more people incoming. And along those lines, we've got some outgoing as well, too, which comes to the big bombshell of the week. Gareth Bale announces his retirement from professional football. In his albeit brief LAFC career, he made 13 appearances for us, scored three goals, only one of which I think is going to live on forever. That will be part of every MLS package highlight reel for decades to come. Arguably one of the greatest goals scored in the history of the league. Officially the latest goal ever scored in the history of the league. And from a black and gold perspective, this might actually be beneficial to us to be losing Gareth Bale. Now, as crazy as that seems, let's go ahead and unpack it for a minute. So first and foremost, gentlemen, your immediate response, Chris, we'll start with you to the retirement of the Welsh Dragon. I think that there was a large faction of people that had expected that this would be a potential possibility. You know, it's discouraging because I felt like what we saw from Gareth Bale in the six months that he was with us was a shell of what we expected to get from him. And I think that some of us had allowed it without criticism because we were, I was defending the fact that, hey, you know, he's probably saving himself so that he's healthy to play in the World Cup because Wales has never made a World Cup since he's been able to play for Wales. And then on top of that, I was looking forward to seeing what he was going to do once he was able to maybe fully dedicate himself to club play. And especially with the international play that we have coming up at the beginning of this MLS season, I was really looking forward to the opportunity to Gareth Bale be Gareth Bale. But in the same respect, he's done so much in his career and there was really nothing left for him to prove. And if this was what, you know, he wanted to do and he wanted to retire, by all means, I think that he's deserved it. So like I can't fault him. You know, he had given us the one of the most memorable moments in LAFC history. He was a significant contributor, even just for these few moments. I think that he will live on in infamy with this club because of that MLS Cup. And if it weren't for Gareth Bale, we wouldn't have a star over our crest. Yeah, it's hard to now in retrospect understand maybe how injured he was or not fit. Right. And I think the World Cup was his goal. And he was really trying to contribute to being fit and participating. And when we thought that he was really saving himself, maybe he was just not able to, right? So I'm sure that was frustrating for him, for Steve, for the team, having someone like him with his talent, not being able to participate. With that said, how good is he that in the few stints that he was able to contribute the things that he did, right? And the epic goal that he gave us. If you if you would have told me when they signed him, he'd come on a TAM deal. And that he would contribute significantly to have a star on our crest. And he would only play 13 games and have basically three goals. I'd be like, yeah, I'll take that deal. 100%. It's unfortunate that we didn't get to see the magic that he produced in La Liga. But now I feel like I more fully understand why he wasn't playing when he was in Spain in the last year, two years when he was there. Because I think his body had broken down to an extent where he can only participate and ramp up for moments. And I feel like... 
those coaching staffs had fitness plans for him to be able to participate in those big cup games. Sad for for everyone in, in football and MLS and uh, LAFC fans that won't be able to see him next season. I agree with you, Chris, that I would have hoped that with a full preseason, getting healthy, even taking a month or two off at the front end of the season, he would have been able to contribute a longer stint next year. But I think the positive in all this is for the team in terms of what he frees up, opportunities that he gives us, rejuvenating the team versus putting us in a conundrum mid-year where maybe he isn't contributing the way we want and we're kind of trying to finagle a contract extension or having the weird and awkward discussion and media outlet announcement of letting him go. So I think him going on his own terms and it was said that, was it Dorrington said that he was made aware the day before so he didn't know that this was happening. I think, you know, just speaks volumes that he really took time off after the World Cup to consider like, hey, what can I do and can I do it in the way I want? And is it worth it? Can I go off into the sunset with this epic goal and end it with this highlight reel versus coming back and being even less efficient than I've been in the last year? I think those are all great points. I think you could argue that the best case scenario for LAFC fans would have been for him to ride out the end of his contract, you know, help us through the first round of CCL, maybe announce instead of that he was retiring, that he could have announced that this would be his final contract and he would have been able to get that swan song and everyone would have been able to come out and cheer him one last time. But then he would have been a distraction and the conversation would have been about Gareth Bale and not about LAFC. And that's a lot to put on a player, you know, who's past his prime. Not that he still wasn't able to score world-class goals. We saw that firsthand, but his body was obviously breaking down. And I think it's really tough for a player to say, is it worth one, two more years and what am I sacrificing in health at the end of my life in exchange to play for one more years? And if a doctor told him, look, you could go out there and play for one more years, but it might mean that your body gives out at age 45 or age 55. And if you quit now, your body won't give out till 55, 65, 75, who knows? That's a difficult ask of a player to sacrifice you know, the ability to be with their grandchildren or, or have a happy, healthy, elderly portion of their life at the expense of a year that is essentially meaningless. I mean, what else does he have less to prove? I mean, he's won every trophy you could possibly win. The World Cup was his last chance. And I think he looked at it and said, look, I'm going out on top with my club career. Can't do any better than he did with LAFC in that final game. You know, he scored goals for Wales was able to say that the last kid he wore was his nation's kid. I think it was the right time. Had he stayed, it would have put LAFC in a very difficult situation. We have a lot of holes in the roster, and we would not have as much cap flexibility if he were still here. Plus, you have the really big problem that his contract stipulates that if his option were to be picked up, he would have to become a designated player. Well, LAFC already have two designated players in Denny Buwanga and Carlos Vela neither of which qualify for the U-22 initiative. If Bale were to be as our third DP, we would lose two of our U-22 initiative slots, of which we have all three filled at the moment. And we would lose out on the cap release we get from those U-22 initiatives. And some combination of Ginella, Palacios, Buke would then fall under the big club. And that sort of forces the club to get rid of Janela and restructure the contract of one of the other two players or potentially have to move on from Palacios as well too. That's a difficult thing to put the club in. Plus he now not being on the club frees up a max TAM contract, which for the remainder of this season would have been a prorated amount that I think somebody stated was around 1.7 million in contract space. That's a lot of space. That's three decent players right there. You know, if you remember, you know, I mean, a player in the four to 600,000 range is, is arguably a starter, if not a significant role piece for the team. 
So now we have three of those spaces that he was taking up. No guarantee he was going to be physically able to perform outside of a few spot moments. I think you have to look at this as a benefit to LAFC just in what it frees up. And I don't think if Gareth Bale stayed, we were going to get MLS Cup Finals Gareth Bale week in and week out. I think we were going to see a lot more like those 10 appearances where he struggled to find a spot in the team, was constantly overlapping Carlos Vela for the same spot. It's hard to have both Vela and Bale on the pitch at the same time. And how do you develop someone behind Vela if you have two veterans taking up maximum amounts of money sharing the same spot on the roster? That that doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a roster build standpoint. So I, I have to say, thank you, Gareth Bale. You will ever forever be a club legend. The goal you scored, like Chris said, will be famous forever in the history of this club. But I think it is the best thing for LAFC that he decided to retire. And I know that's shocking to a lot of people to hear. But I just think in the impact on the designated payer slot and the roster relief we need at a time in which we're rebuilding the squad, it ends up being a net positive given that I don't think we would have got much out of Gareth Bale. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, on Gareth's departure before we move on? Just a quick thank you to him. Thank you, Gareth. Yes. Thank you, Gareth. Oh, I mean, I don't think there's a goal that's ever happened that I've watched more times than that Gareth Bale goal. I'm trying to think, I mean, maybe the goal that won Germany the World Cup, you know, Andres Schürrle streaking down that left side, putting that cross into Mario Goetz. I've watched that goal a lot of times, but I, I think I've watched that Gareth Bale goal just in the past three months, maybe, maybe more times than I've seen any other goal. But Moving on, along the lines of roster relief, Chris, you were bringing up a really good point along the same subject of roster relief when it comes to one of our recent departures. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for those of us that were looking at the Sebas Mendes move to Sao Paulo and thinking that LAFC had dropped the ball, it actually, you know, based on how we had acquired him from Orlando City, there was the information that if LAFC were to renew his contract, that LAFC would have to pay Orlando City $225,000 in allocation money in 2023 and then again in 2024. So by him taking a move outside of the MLS, LAFC, in theory, don't have to pay that money to Orlando City at all. That was I think something that Orlando City might have been banking on was that they were, you know, hey, we're going to give you this transfer mid-season, but when you re-sign him in the offseason, you know, you're going to pay us for what he's worth later down the line. And it looks like that deferred payment ended up just getting washed away. So that's, you know, LAFC saving the potential of having to pay five hundred, almost $500,000 in allocation money. Which I think is great because they've been making a lot of moves. I think they're going to be one of the dark horses or maybe unless you're following MLS, they'll be one of the contenders that weren't doing as well last year and this upcoming year from the East. I think Orlando City looks like a playoff team right now. I I don't know if they look like we're getting home field advantage and I expect them to advance in the playoffs just yet, but giving them 250K in general allocation money this year and next year would have gone a long way to help them build their roster. Remember, target allocation money and general allocation money are a little different. General allocation money, that's really the only way to trade players in league, although there are some rumors that they might potentially allow cash transfers inside the league 
later this season, which would be a big change in, in Major League Soccer, where you could actually buy a player from another team. But right now, the only thing you can do is swap players or use allocation money, or there are, you know, a couple other things you can trade, like international roster slots or some of the draft picks and things like that. But that general allocation money, you only get, I believe it's 1.92 million this year per team. So 300K of it or 250K of it, that is a significant portion, right? We're talking north of 20% of the entire general allocation money you get for a whole season that would go just to keep someone already on the roster. And Seba Mendes, as great as he played in the World Cup, did not have a lot of minutes for LAFC last year. I mean, even the 300K in GAM that we gave up for him last season didn't amount to a whole lot of minutes. And if that's the, the amount of time we're talking about giving a midfielder, I would much rather that go to a young DP that fills out that U22 IDP slot or, you know, someone that's acquired on the international market without having to leverage that much gam for it. Or, or, you know, look, go out and get your MLS vet as well, too. I think we kind of already have that in the midfield with Ilya Sanchez and Kellen Acosta. And I believe on the last show, I talked about how I would prefer an international take that that final starting spot with with the imminent departure of Sifu. But um as far as filling out the back end of the bench, I'm fine with it being young kids or, or, or veterans. I don't think we need to go out and spend a ton of money on that slot. Moving on. So speaking of signings, one that kind of dropped on us last minute here, we knew a goalkeeper was coming. I believe we talked about that on the last show as well, too, that there is a need for another goalkeeper to come in with John McCarthy as of right now, slated to be LAFC's opening day starting keeper. And as fantastic as J-Mac was at stopping penalties in the MLS Cup, that's his job. He is a PK goalkeeper. If you look at last season, he really only played in games that we anticipated going to penalty. He got virtually no starts outside of those games. Max Kirkpo played almost every single one of the LAFC games that did not involve the chance of penalties at the end. So I don't think that states going into the offseason, frankly, even going into the MLS Cup Finals, that John McCarthy was someone this club viewed as a day-in, day-out starting keeper. Whether that opinion has changed or not based off of 10 or 15 minutes worth of performance in one game, I frankly don't think so. And so logically, LAFC goes out and they sign Eldon Jakovic. He is a 38-year-old goalkeeper who formerly played for Everton in the EPL. He has a lot of experience and some great leadership qualities as called out by JT. He's played 10 seasons in England, right? We're talking Everton from 2022 until current Leicester City from 17 to 2022, and Hull City before that. He's a dual national Swiss and Bosnia-Herzegovina. He has played internationally for Switzerland. He repped them all the way up through the U18 level. So I think, and this is my bold theory right now, this is your day one starting keeper for LAFC. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the signing? You know, I think that the signing is an interesting one. It's definitely something for depth, but... You know, when looking at his regular season appearances, he's had 15 regular season appearances since he left Hull City in 2017. So, you know, he's probably a high quality goalkeeper to be able to be on EPL rosters, but he hasn't seen a whole lot of minutes, real game minutes. So, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that he might be here to compete with McCarthy. I think that right now, based on how McCarthy played at the end of the season, his, you know, t tentative spot to lose 
until Max becomes healthy again. I think that Eldon would have to be very impressive to not have John McCarthy be the starter against the Galaxy on the 25th. I think it's open competition, so... I don't, I don't think there's a starter, to be honest with you. I and mean, it sounds like both him and McCarthy haven't started a lot in the last handful of years. And this is going to be an opportunity for both of them to take the bull by the horns. I would go with McCarthy just by youth and understanding and knowing the club and being here for an entire year, being behind Max, probably learning, pushing Max. But we'll see. I think you both make excellent points. And, you know, even when he was with Hull City from 2012 to 2017, he, he only got in 54 games in that five-year span so he's only still averaging 10-12 starts or 10-12 games that he got into he only made 26 premier league starts in that five-year span as well too so he he's always been a backup but I, I just think that if we believed in McCarthy we would have played him more last year and it just felt like he was brought in as a PK specialist and used as a PK specialist now McCarthy made a fantastic save just before giving up a goal in that MLS Cup Finals. And I do think McCarthy is probably 60% likely to be the starting keeper in the eyes of Chirundolo today. But by the time we get through preseason and we get to the start of actual competition, it is my bet that we are going to see Mr. Jakubovic starting more games than we're expecting him to at the moment across the community if you were to pull them. But uh we shall see. Certainly, you know, look, a player that's got a, a lot of pedigree. Those are some great teams that he's played for in the past. He's worked under some fantastic keepers as well, too. You know, I mean, he has a lot, a lot of experience throughout his time in the league. You know, I mean, he was behind Casper Schmeichel for a while. You know, those are some really good keepers that were in front of him. And to play back up to those guys, even just to be privy to their experience, I'm hoping this is a guy that can really just help the goalkeeping coaching side of things as well, too, given his experience. So I think he'll have an impact even once Max Cropot is back and health. All right. So with that done, let's go ahead and unless you guys had any final thoughts on goalkeeping situation. Cool. Let's go ahead and talk about the press conference because this was a really fun experience. This was, you know, the fourth or fifth press conference that we as shoulder to shoulder have uh, had the chance to cover. Uh, we were obviously there for Gareth Bale. We were there for Giorgio Chiellini. We've done some post-game stuff in the past. But this was a fun one. A, a very, very wet, rainy day kept a lot of media from actually showing up to the event. But there were a ton of people who joined digitally via Zoom. Some of the big names from across the league. You know, we had the likes of Tom Bogert there um, asking questions via chat, Araceli Villanueva, a few other people as well, too. Uh, in the room was a fairly Spartan crowd, though. There were maybe four or five of us from the 3252 that accepted the invite to come on down. And as far as media coverage of it, by comparison to Gareth Bale and, and Giorgio Chiellini, it was a much, much smaller crowd. Bale and Chiellini probably had 100, 150 people in the room. This price conference, there were maybe 15 people in the room five of those lafc staff five of those 3252 members so uh, a very small cross-section of media actually showed up in person it was raining cats and dogs that day and everybody had the chance to attend digitally but uh got to sit next to vince la rosa shouts to the homie as we went through the entire press conference but it was uh, a little restrained by comparison to what we've seen in the past, especially with what we were told ahead of time, three signings to be debuted, what ultimately ended up being four signings that came as a little cherry on top. Uh, 
with Djokovic being announced just that morning was there in the press conference as well too. In the original LAFC press conference area where they do their post-game press conferences, it was just JT and the four players for the first half and then JT by himself for the second half fielding questions. Got a chance to be introduced to Stipe Buk, Aaron Long, Daniil Maldonado, and Eldon Jakubovic. They each had a small amount of time in which to speak. Stipe, surprisingly, has, has pretty good English, but you could tell he, he was answering the questions very, very politely and really spoke in a lot of generics, did, did not get too specifically into why he chose LAFC or or any of the things he plans out in his career, most of his answers were a lot of the same platitudes we would expect from a young player. So we didn't really get a whole much of a deep dive with Stipe. He did have a translator present that was helping him have conversations with other people in the room, which leads me to believe that his English is still just not to the point yet where he could have a very in-depth conversation about his move. But just looking at the athletic frame this young man has, the confidence by which he speaks and walks around, and just the confidence to speak English and go about things the way he did was pretty good. I was I was impressed with the poise the young man had, but frankly, we didn't hear a lot from Stipe Buk. Uh, gentlemen, do you have any thoughts on Stipe and uh, what he looks like uh, suiting up for the black and gold? No, no opinion other than he looks, like you said, athletic and polite. So I hope he's not polite when he steps between the lines. But I'm looking forward to what he can bring in terms of pushing the front three, too. Hopefully he can he can make a case for resting one of the three every now and then with the amount of games we'll have. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, again, you, you watch some of the highlights from his time at Hidroop Split, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him come in. And, uh, you know, it, it just makes you wonder how uh, just another weapon to use and it could be utilized in a different way. I was impressed by Daniil Maldonado's attire at the press conference, to be honest. That was what stood out to me. That man looked very fashionable, very impressed. Look, you're getting ahead of us. All right. He's number three on the list. We're on number one. All right. But I do agree. He was he was looking fly. I'm not going to lie. Do we still use that word anymore? Did I just date myself by saying that? What was it he, on on fleek? What what do the kids say nowadays? No, Help that's me out. that's old too. To me. I mean, like <laughs> fly, you dated yourself with fly. Fleek is also dating yourself. Not nearly as old, but man, you are not doing well. I, I do turn 40 this year. So, you know, I suppose it's it's my time to age out of some of the well, what would one say nowadays? What what what's what's the hip thing to say when you're describing someone who's who's you know fashion is on point? No I idea. <laughs> I don't know. It's not my arena. Folks, slide in those DMs and let <laughs> us know. Help us update the lexicon here. Look, Chicho Orongo, Buanga, Vela, that's your starting front three. I mean, unless they decide to move Vela to being a 10, and, and this whole idea goes back to a potential 4-2-3-1 change, the, sh- there's no starting time there for Stipe in the big games. So he's relegated to the sub that comes in probably either outside because I still think Mahala is the sub for Vela and Quadro. I mean, what can, what else can this guy do to earn it? Right. I mean, I think he's arguably been one of the best fourth attackers that one could have in all of MLS still young and still up and proving. So I know we have plenty of games for these guys to get their burn. I think we're going to see a lot of Mahala and a lot of Stipe when it comes to U.S. Open games or some early competitions in some of these other games. But uh, he's got plenty of time. He's got a four-year contract with it. He's got time to prove it. Next gentleman on the line was Aaron Long. Obviously, USA International, native Californian. Somebody who was much more prepared to speak on some of the specifics today. 
you know, really kind of discussed how excited he was to be joining the black and gold, how excited he was to be coming home, spoke a lot about the atmosphere in the bank, the culture of LAFC, the type of players we have, the way we treat players here, how excited he is to be able to compete for trophies, which might be a, a slight dig at his former club, the New Jersey Energy Drinks. Shouts to our friend affiliate defenders. But Aaron was perhaps the most enthusiastic person there, the person who seemed the most grateful to be there, if I was to say so myself. And just in the brief handshake moments that I had as a member of the 3252 with them, he was the one who was really going out of his way to say thank you and, and how much he appreciated what the 3252 are going to be doing for him at some point in time. So this is a guy who gets it. He's he's already black and gold. I mean, you can tell this guy is so excited to suit up for LAFC. And he had a lot of nice things to say about how he was received in the locker room. He's walking the walk already. He's talking the talk. I have a feeling this guy is going to be pushing for starting minutes early on at center back. Gentlemen, do you have any impressions from the conversation Aaron Long had with the media? No, I agree with you. He just looked, he looked comfortable like and happy. Right. So I'm looking forward to him contributing and let's see, you know, how well he's recovered. He he didn't really play in the World Cup at all. So I'm hoping he trained well and I'm hoping this preseason is good for him. Get his fitness and confidence back up to a club level where he's been a constant contributor and, you know, cornerstone at Red Bull. So now it's time for him to come and get more trophies. This is where you win trophies, not in New Jersey. It's uh you know, before his injury, him and uh, Walker Zimmerman were the two best center backs that the U.S. had to offer at that point in time during the World Cup qualifying. And if he wasn't fit, I don't even think that Burhalter would have had him on the roster, right? So I think that we are going to see a form of Aaron Long that hasn't been around in about a year. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's great to have a center back who's a dominant force. And if if he can work his way back into being the top pairing with Walker Zimmerman, I think that that works well for us also. So moving on to the most fashionably dressed man in the room, Daniil Maldonado. And Christian, this is where I'm really going to leverage you because he spoke entirely in Spanish the whole time. And yes, there was a translator present and the translator did sort of give us the gist of what he said. But Christian, I'm, I'm going to rely on you for your thoughts on his tone, how he presented himself, the questions to the answer as he presented them. And so give me your thoughts, Christian, on what you thought from Senor Maldonado. I mean, I don't think he dressed that way without being excited. <laughs> To, to to be in LA and I think he sees the loan as an opportunity right to really show himself I think he's going to really fight for that starting spot and um, prove to either get signed here or, or open the eyes of other teams when he does participate to maybe be signed because he is in one of the more successful teams in Honduras with Club Deportivo Montagua but uh, at this point, he's getting a new light to shine himself and make his presence known uh, he's excited and um I think that when you're joining a recent champion uh, with the goals to get another championship or another cup of some sort or some sort of trophy in the upcoming year, I think that is something that any player and any supporter is going to look forward to and being chosen and being talked uh, to and being contracted to to participate and contribute in that way is what he relishes. I think we could see a player who clearly saw himself on a different stage, right? And I think the dress and how he presented himself both in in you know his attire and and his stature he's a big dude first of all 
stout. I mean, you could see this guy is built, right? And I think he came here to say, you know, look, maybe there aren't as many eyes on me in Honduras that he's looking for in Los Angeles. And he knew to dress the part and talk the part. A fun side note on Maldonado. Uh, we got a shout out from the official podcast so this is uh, for Montagua. This is El Podcast de El Ciclón, who reached out to us and said, uh, in response to some of the videos we had posted of him, this is our best defender. We love him. Treat him well. It is always a good sign for me whenever you acquire a player, if he is still beloved by the fans of his previous team, when they speak to him being their best defender and someone that they are sorely missing, at least for the time that he's out on loan, whether or not he performs to the point where LAFC trigger the buyout clause or not remains to be seen. But all of those things, both the way he presented himself, just his physical stature in general, and the way his former club speaks about it, were all things in the last week that have been a revelation for me and all positives in my book. Agreed. It reminds me of when Chicho came. Our last person to take the mic at the podium before JT went on to make some comments that we're definitely going to touch on was Eldon Jakubovic, right? And he made a lot of really fun statements while he was up there. I mean, you could tell elder statesman within the game, right? We talked about it. 38 years old. He's been through this a ton of times. He knew where to drop those little nuggets in there throughout the course of his conversation. You know, he mentioned his wife is from Nashville, that for three years now he's been trying to come to Major League Soccer, but he just couldn't say no to contracts from teams like Leicester and Everton. And I think it's hard for anyone to say no to contracts from teams like Leicester or Everton when your goal is to come to the United States and play in Major League Soccer. So it's great that his wife gets to return back to the United States. I'm surprised Nashville wasn't the one to make a run at him, but it turns out being LAFC, I think we're thankful for that. You know, he's, again, talked about how he had trained under the likes of Pickford, under the likes of Kasper Schmeichel, fantastic goalkeepers that he's gotten to see perform and work with and help them train week in and week out, things that are going to be very beneficial to the squad. And of course, he dropped the greatest soundbite of the entire press conference. Well, I should say maybe top two. Greatest sound bites because uh, Stipe Buke, one of the hard hitting questions that was asked of him was Lakers or Clippers. He, of course, chose Lakers. So good boy, Stipe. We're proud of you for that one. But Eldon, he went out and just sort of slid it into the middle of a sentence about how happy he was to be playing for the biggest club in Los Angeles. And man, if that didn't just hit it out of the park for me, we're talking about a guy who was announced two, three hours prior to this press conference, and he's already that aware of what's going on here within the black and gold community to offer that little dig at our neighbors to the South. Chef's kiss. Brilliant work. It's always a lot of fun when players instantly buy in and support the rivalries. You look forward to that kind of stuff. You know, that's how you become fan favorite, right, is by by playing to the crowd for sure. So it'll be it'll, it will be a lot of fun. Hopefully, if given the opportunity, he performs well. You know, I think that when Kenneth Vermeer first came to LAFC, I think that we were all a little excited to see what he had to offer given his pedigree and where he came from. And it didn't work out so well. So I'm hoping that this is not a bit of the same. I think he's gone on to statistically be the worst keeper in the history of MLS. Given the number of games he played and the quantity of goals he gave in, yeah, that did not work well at all for any of the MLS clubs that he's played for. Let's not let's not put that on Eldon. No, I'm not putting it on anybody. I just I think that we also need to kind of temper expectations when you look at a player who 
has played for some giant clubs in Europe. I mean, we've already had an experience of a scenario where it didn't work out for us. So you are are automatically not as bought in as you might have once been at a point in time. Well, to his comments about LA, he's not wrong. Brilliant. So at that point in time, the four players went ahead and exited the podium. And we got a few minutes just to grill JT on his own. So some of the things that were brought up were, of course, Gareth Bale. And it was at that point in time, he dropped the bombshell that Gareth Bale had informed the club 24 hours prior to the press conference that he would be retiring. However, if you go back and listen to the Extra Time episode that was recorded shortly after the MLS Cup Finals. It was stated on that show that one of the guys on the show, and at this point it's been so many months, I forget exactly who said it, said they were talking to Gareth Bale, and Gareth Bale mentioned to them that based on how he felt right then and there, he was likely to retire after the World Cup. It was a soundbite that really went under the radar from extra time, but I have to say they were the first ones out there to to say that he's probably going to retire after the World Cup. I don't think any of that was set in stone. I, I think he went to the World Cup, saw how his body responded to that, you know, probably had a conversation with his family, his doctors and everyone before finally coming to this decision now. But that was a little nugget that JT dropped when he was asked uh, by Tommy Scoops, a question about Gareth Bale. JT had a fun little dig at Tom Bogert, uh, telling him that he was known for being a bit premature uh, in doing things, which I, I felt was a little hilarious. We tweeted that out and actually got a retweet from Tommy Scoops himself for Shoulder to Shoulder podcast about it. But that was a, a fun little cheeky moment. It seems like most of the press conferences I've been to, there's always a little bit of a back and forth between JT and Tom. I don't think the club particularly appreciates the fact that he's breaking news before the club gets to, but uh, man's just doing his job and we love him for it. It was Matt Doyle, by the way. Oh, with Matt Doyle? All right. It was good, Matt Doyle. Good, good, good callback, man. Great memory. Designated player conversation. So JT was asked about with Gareth Bale leaving that frees up officially a third designated player slot. Now the slot was already open. But there was that terminology in Bale's contract that if he was to stay with the club, he would occupy a DP slot potentially midsummer. And JT said that that really saved the club from having to make a difficult decision and that the new designated player, when they arrive, will be a U22 initiative player. Francisco Ginella, Diego Palacios, and Stipe Buke all occupy U22I slots on the roster. And if you have more than one player who has a U22I slot on your roster, one of your designated player slots either needs to be open or needs to be taken by a U22 initiative player. So he was very frank in saying that, look, even if Sifu, Palacios, and Stipe that are all on U22I slots, and even if Sifu were to depart, which he was asked about, and he, he danced around the question, but it still seems to me like Sifu's on his way out, especially with JT bringing it back up later in the conversation. But saying that even if Sifu were to depart, we would still have to either have that DP slot open or have it be occupied by a U22 slot. We're not going to have a DP slot open all season. It's going to be filled at some point in time. And it certainly looks like a U22 player. Rumors that I'm hearing is that the U22 is going to be a midfielder and it's going to be prior to the start of the season. So that's something to keep an eye out for on the DP slot. Chris, you have a thought? Yeah, well, just to, for all of the people out there, you know, U22 initiatives are meant for players under the age of 22 to obtain lucrative contracts. And even though 
they may no longer be 22, which is in the case of Diego Palacios and Jose Cifuentes. They are now both currently 23. They can remain on that U22 initiative slot through the season that they turn 25 years old. Good knowledge. Good knowledge. Thank you. Uh, Last little bit, tidbit, finally something we can speak about publicly. Eddie Segura, the injury he sustained in the playoff game versus the Galaxy was vastly more significant than had been discussed publicly up until this point. So Eddie Segura is injured, something that frankly many of us have known about, but at Eddie's request, we have not talked about publicly until the club spoke on it. Eddie's injury was much more significant than has been reported up until now. He is in the future for the black and gold. JT basically came out and said, as soon as he's healthy, he's going to be playing with us, but it doesn't look like he's going to be healthy this season. There is a chance he could rejoin the squad at some point in time in the summer and come back for the end of the season, much like he did last year. But I really think we're looking at Eddie Segura as a potential 2024 return to the club. It is unlikely at this point he will be back and taking significant minutes in 2023. If he does, it would likely be with MLS Next Pro as he gears back up from injury. But that other shoe finally dropped in the conversation around Eddie Segura. Steady Eddie, you're a stand-up dude, black and gold to the core. Wish you all the best in recovery and hope that you're finally able to join the squad sooner rather than later. Any thoughts on Eddie Segura news? Nothing additional now. I'm just glad that he's going to still remain with the club. It's unfortunate. You know, he had missed a large chunk of the 2022 season with recovery. And to see that he has had another injury, you just hope that he's able to come back at full health uh, and contribute in the way that he did back in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. And I'm just saying in reference to when we acquired him, you know, he was at one point, you know, our best center back. So it's like you just hope that he's able to to come back. There he was, was on a, our roster. He was on our roster in 2019. Thank you. Oh, I misheard you. I thought AC said 18. No, we we got him. I think his first game was Fabrizio Kobe at the beginning of 19. Ah, uh, yes, the game where we sent in yes to packing, and Lukas Podolski the Strassen kicker. Oh, that was so cool to see one of my favorite players of all time, Podolski at the bank, and and yeah, and yes to. I would like to see some international friendlies, man. I'd like to welcome those back to the bank. There is some conversation about international friendlies potentially happening this summer. I know there was some talks about Wrexham potentially being one of the teams that could come out and play LAFC. I do think there is going to be another international friendly preseason match announced at some point in time. More on that to come. Tune in later. Uh, Moving on to the next news that dropped this week. None other then John Thornton and Larry the Legend, Larry Friedman, have signed long-term extensions to be with the club. Yay! Love it. Nothing but love for those two gentlemen. JT is a hard-working dude. I actually, when I first arrived to the press conference, here's a little behind-the-scenes tidbit. JT is, is, you know, down there in the field club, kind of sitting in a corner by himself, and I kind of walked near him as I was heading to the restroom and back. And I could hear him in some very engaged conversations with someone about a player that he was trying to acquire. So, look, JT is constantly putting in work. The roster that he has built, the stars he's been able to bring in and and stay within the legalities of this league, the experience, the composure he brings. Also, his Spanish is now pretty darn good, I have to say as well, too. Uh, It looks like he's really upped his habla of the Espanol game as well, too. Uh, JT's a fantastic person and has done a wonderful job. Larry is someone 
beloved by the LAFC community. Uh, I don't think of I've ever spoken to a single person, supporters, casual fans, front office people, players that don't love Larry. We are super excited about the addition, or at least the extension, uh, looks like a long-term extension, which looks like somewhere in the three to five year range for both of those people. I think that is a huge sigh of relief, given that it was piggybacked with the news that Will Kuntz is officially no longer a part of the LAFC front office. Will, you were a fantastic assistant GM. You did phenomenal work. Interviewed him on the show. He talked about how he was the one bringing Giorgio Chiellini in. He has been integral in so many signings and been such a huge piece of the LAFC front office. Will, you will be sincerely missed, and we wish you all the best in your next endeavor. I just hope it's not in Major League Soccer because I don't want another team in this league having a secret weapon like Will Koontz. But, gentlemen, your thoughts on those three big pieces to drop this week? You know, uh, always good to have stability, especially when there's a system in place that has shown that it works. JT and Larry, I think, work well together as co-presidents of the club. And as for Will... By far, one of the most memorable interviews that we had ever had. He was such a kind, kind individual. Spent a significant amount of time after the interview was done just talking shop with us. And, you know, I'll never forget it. I mean, I can never not say nice enough things about Will for him to come on and talk to us the way he did so candidly enough. It was awesome. Totally. I I agree with you, Jonathan. I hope he doesn't go to another MLS team. And in those hopes, I also hope John Thornton has him on speed dial to just make sure we're above board in any, every transaction when it comes to MLS roster building rules. And then, you know, JT and Larry. No news on where Will Kuntz has landed just right. yet. We will certainly be on top of that when it does. Again, just fingers crossed. I mean, he deserves to be, you know, we know he came from the Yankees. Maybe he's going back to baseball. Dodgers, hey, would love to have Will Kuntz there. Or maybe he's going overseas. Maybe he landed uh, an opportunity within the world of football. And, and he, once again, uses LAFC as the launching pad to go to Europe. Like we hope to see more players do in the future. Sifu, I'm looking at you. So we'll see what's going on with, with Will Koontz. Another thing that dropped in the same press release regarding the extensions of John Thorrington and Larry Friedman was the fact that there a planned change in ownership took place as well, too. And that is Bennett Rosenthal assuming the role of lead managing owner taking over for Larry Berg. Larry Berg, another one of those people beloved by the LAFC community for being a man that is as ludicrously wealthy as he is. He was super down to earth. You know, he and his son would come out and shoot it up with the supporters. They'd be there at tailgates. Um, and he was a great face of the ownership group during his five years that that he oversaw. Apparently, it has always been the idea after that first year to start a four-year rotation amongst the three primary owners of the club. So it was planned four years ago that this would be Larry Berg's four years. Bennett Rosenthal is now taking over. He will run for the next four years. And then it will be Brandon Beck who takes over after him before it either goes back to Larry or who knows what happens at, at that point in time. Uh, but any thoughts on the change in the role of lead managing officer owner for the club? No, I mean, if it, if it was planned, and that's good that this is going according to plan. Uh, it's going to be a tough act to follow <laughs> for Bennett, but uh, I have full faith that the ownership group has made the right decision in terms of the three rotational managing owner group, and now he's going to be the lead manager owner. I think, um, and I was reading some some stuff online that we're entering a kind of a growth moment, right? I think 
it was about laying cornerstones, making sure the club was stable. And I think uh, Larry Berg and the rest of the front office staff team, supporters and actual performances on, on the field have made it more than stable. It's it's become a little bit of a juggernaut in one of the super clubs in, in the league. Now, I'm interested to see what Bennett Rosenthal has in mind in terms of taking all that momentum and launch padding into what we think can be, be even bigger. So I'm excited about that. You know, it's, uh, I don't know if much is really going to change. You know, I, I think that uh, when you look at how this club runs itself, I'm not necessarily sure that anybody expects it to change much. You know, Larry ran it a certain way, but I don't think that Larry just had the keys and drove it the way he wanted to drive it. I'm sure that he took on Bennett's opinion and he took on Brandon Beck's opinion and all of the other owners, right? And I think that it was a collaborative effort. So I'm not necessarily sure if if just because Bennett is now going to be the lead managing owner, if it, you know, I I still believe that all decisions are going to be collaborative effort decisions. And so it's I think that it's just going to kind of be business as usual, but it's just an opportunity to say like, hey, it's not just one person who's being the lead managing owner. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. I, I think there was some very business jargon related discussion about, you know, him now being the person to launch the club internationally after the club was established, you know, as a as a domestic champion under Larry Berg. The timing certainly works out perfectly with us coming off of a cup victory. So, but I I have to agree. I think the day-to-day operations of the club really come down to to Larry and JT. And at the end of the day, we're talking about a person who signs checks, but, you know, ultimately is part of a a collaborative effort to have the final say. We still do it at last count. I think we still have 22 owners that he is really just the voice of at this point in time. There was some discussion that some new MLS rules meant that LAFC might have to trim down the number of owners that we have that there are some rules in place stating that clubs now going forward have to have a finite number of people in their ownership group and that LAFC is slightly beyond that. So I think we're going to see a few of those names shrink and get bought out over the course of the next year or two. So more on that to come as as the team attempts to get compliant with some new rules. I don't think we're in trouble for any of that right now. It was all legal at the time. I think they just um, are allowed some time to sort of streamline that going forward. Good segue because there are there's been an announcement on on Yahoo Sports. So the exiting investors include Tony Robbins, Paul Schaefer, Alan Shapiro, Jason Sugarman, Kirk LaCobb, and Mark Leshley. So as Rosenthal takes the reins, there's been a handful that have been bought out in terms of their shares. Perfect. I think the first name on that list is one that was uh, a fairly absentee owner and one that I'm sure um, I I certainly know a a few of our other podcasts don't mind seeing him going packing as well, too. I can't say that we feel very strongly personally about it, but I know some of the other podcasts that I'm sure y'all are listening to have have offered their opinions about those owners. Those are a lot of absentee owners that you just listed off right there. I, I can't recall any of them doing anything significant within the community or involvement with at least the supporters that I can think of off the top of my head. Who did you say that, it was again? Can you give it just one more time? Sure. Christian? Yeah, yeah. Exiting investors include Tony Robbins, Paul Schaefer, Alan Shapiro, Jason Sugarman, Kirk LaCobb, and Mark Leshley. Well, there you go. I'm looking at the ownership group page right now. All I see, Tony, Lon Rosen. Did you say Lon Rosen? No. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. 
Oh, so Paul Schaefer was the Mandalay Bay Entertainment Group. Mm-hmm. Alan Shapiro was the executive chairman CEO of Dick Clark Productions. Mark Shapiro? Alan Shapiro. Oh, oh okay. Jason Sugarman was the Marucci Sports and Oklahoma City Dodgers. Uh, that was part of the Guggenheim group yeah. of Guggenheim Baseball Management that owns the Dodgers. Mm. And, and there's uh, a couple of quotes course. in here that I'll say after from Rosenthal in this this article. Go ahead. Go fire away. Yeah. So a couple a couple of the quotes. There was certainly a phase of getting our identity set, making sure we had our organization in shape, making sure we had our culture in shape, and bringing the best talent together. Second quote, now with the best talent, we can pursue a bunch of new initiatives. And I think over time, you're going to see us do things that are creative and business building. So I think now thinking about the Apple deal, broadening the scope in terms of who sees us and the most recent champion going into this deal, which is also amazing timing. I think he's trying to set the stage in terms of some capitalization of that moment and those opportunities abroad. So I think that's what what he's saying. LAFC was rated as the most profitable MLS franchise last year, breaking in, I think, a little over $90 million in profit. And they are slated to be one of only two teams, I believe, to eclipse the $100 million in profit next season mark. So I think the, the club is finally to a point where there's some ROI, right? A return on investment. And that return on investment eventually meant that some of those owners who bought in short term to try and make a short-term buck uh, are able to cash out and we're now in compliance going forward. Yep. There is yeah. a sported co-valuation on here too, 900 million. I think the highest valued franchise or club in the MLS. And then these are the projected revenue was a hundred million. And then 2021, it was 71 million. So year over year, 30 million approximately in terms of revenue. Man, how much money do you think that I got to make so that I can be an owner? A lot is the answer to that question. You, you're going to have to go fix a lot of electrical cables, my friend, before you get to that even, point. I don't I don't even know if I could, dude. Like, if I were to do it every day for the rest of my life, I don't even know if I'd be able to come up with enough money. One thing is for certain, I will not be joining the ownership group. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Oh, man. Our last piece of news on today's show as we wrap it up is... Some of the happiest news that we in the black and gold community have heard over the course of the past week. Excited about new signings. Great to see JT and Larry get their extension. But we have talked about it many times on this show. We were very concerned about what would happen with our dear and beloved Max Bredos. And it finally came out today. Apple TV, you listen to us. We appreciate you listening to us. you done the right thing. You went and hired Max Bredos. So Max Bredos will be a play-by-play announcer for the new Apple TV MLS package. They give announced... Us, uh, give us the Max. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I can't do it. I don't know. It's like, it's his own thing. Yes. I don't know. It's It's his own thing. I can't do it. Carlos, it's your city. I mean, so many iconic quotes from Max. Now, whether or not he's going to be calling 
LAFC games or not remains to be seen, as I'm assuming all these guys are going to be working on a soundstage, probably doing multiple games a day. I would love for Max to stay doing the black and gold. It would be great for him to stay on. There are a number of people who were picked up. Marisa Du, Taylor Twelman, Sasha Kleschen, Bradley Wright Phillips, Diego Valeri, to name some that you might recognize. Uh, The play-by-play list is going to have Steve Cangliosi, uh, 21 years with New York Red Bulls, He's done three different Olympics, Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga. Uh, Steve is certainly a, a well-tenured professional within this league. It's great to see him get picked up. Jenks Ivan, seven years in Portland. He's done a lot of the CONCACAF games, a lot of the Copa America games as well, too. So those are going to be primarily your English broadcasters that have been announced so far doing play-by-play for the Apple deal. On the Spanish front, Pablo Ramirez, 22 years at Univision, will be there as well, too. Yeah. He's and, my favorite uh, in Spanish, by the way. The Torre de Jalisco. He's the one that says, golazo, aso, aso, aso. Awesome. Awesome pickup. See, si, Senor Raparicio, yeah. that's why you're here. Yep. Um, and I think, and a little tidbit here is because today and it was bought by Televisa and moved everything to Mexico. So I think he's been out of a consistent gig. So I'm glad he got picked up, too. Uh, and then finally, doing some of the broadcasts in French, uh, looking at you north of the border there, is going to be Frédéric Lord. Um, I'm sure his name is actually Frederick Lord. Um, uh, but he has had 10 years calling the games for Club de Foot Montreal. So good to see. There are still a bunch of names yet to be announced. So that's uh, expected by February 25th. They will release the rest of the roster. So I still got a chance, is what I'm saying. But uh, Max... We love you here at this pod. You are beloved in the LAFC community. Congratulations on landing that Apple TV deal. There were many of us that were very worried about what was going to happen to Max Bredos, but yes, he's he's going to be he's going to be around. Boys, your thoughts? Interested to see, you know, what's going on. More information always coming out with this Apple deal. On top of that, it, I think it came out to be that it was going to be eight dollars a month for anyone who wasn't a season ticket holder for their subscription to be able to have access to the MLS games. Not only are you going to be able to get every single MLS game on Apple TV, you're also going to be getting coverage of MLS Next to see all of your second teams uh, during this Apple TV deal. There's also going to be all sorts of docu-series type coverage, things like that. So, I mean, for $8 a month, when you look at streaming packages, I don't know. That kind of seems like a significantly low deal, uh, low in terms of cost, but... $8 $8 a month if you buy the whole season up front and you're already an Apple TV subscriber. I think it's $12 a month if you pay as you go. And that's in addition to the Apple TV subscription. Now, season ticket holders, I believe, get the add-on package for free. But you're still going to have to be an Apple TV subscriber in order to get that. I think you can just subscribe to the MLS package and you don't get any of the rest of Apple TV, um, and then you would just be able to view MLS games on Apple TV and not watch anything else. But I'm sure since all of you are massive Ted Lasso fans, as I'm sitting here wearing my Believe sweatshirt, that of course you're already Apple TV subscribers to watch yourself some Ted Lasso. So um, yeah, I think it's it's 70 something, $72 for the whole year if you're already an Apple TV subscriber. Um, and I think if you're not an Apple TV subscriber, it's it's a little bit more per month just to get the package by itself. I need a table because I'm not an Apple TV subscriber and I don't understand all this. 
in terms of if I wanted to watch that lasso or any other Apple TV program. So I don't know what more it cost me. That's I've been looking for that all day. I'm like, is it worth it? Is it not? Obviously, I'm excited about MLS being on there. A couple of tidbits in terms of what I saw on Twitter. Pablo, I can't remember his last name from Athletics, saying that there uh, are... Pablo Maurer. Pablo Maurer was saying that he found some documentation or announcements that some of the potential requirements being asked of all the clubs, right? So I think different media assets in terms of weekly press conference access, I think a mini docuseries uh, leading up to the season and things of that nature. So obviously LAFC is equipped for that. I'd say the top tier, maybe top five to eight teams have all that. And then there's the rest of the league that maybe isn't as good as that. So if if you want, I have the whole list right here. So Pablo Maurer has said that this is what is required of every MLS team by Apple TV. So they must produce a show called The Ritual, uh, which is fan focus and is going to be about all of the club traditions and supporter culture. They're going to have to do two minute long profiles for all of the team's players and five minute long episodes just on the coaches and the more iconic players of the team. They will have to have five classic club moment segments that are two minutes long each. They are required to do a weekly first team report, minimum of three minutes covering training, news, match previews. And then every club is required to do their own post-game press conference for all MLS games, playoffs games, and League Cup matches. On a monthly level, they will have to do a community report focused on what the club is doing in the community, and they will have to do a report on their academy once to twice a month and must do two features a month on their MLS Next Pro team. So that's the full list as reported by Pablo Maurer. You can follow him at MLSIST on Twitter. That is a great follow. He drops a ton of fantastic news on MLS. I'm sure you're already following Pablo Maurer, but just to give him a shout out for dropping that great piece of info on us. Also, another tidbit about Pablo, a huge gearhead, works on all sorts of classic cars, and he and I have an affinity together because he and I, we both own a Dodge Rampage. Now, granted, my Dodge Rampage doesn't look like his. I wished it did, but I love his little Dodge Rampage. It's black and gold, too, and it's got uh, some 1989 shelby csx vnt fiber ride rims on there so it's i mean his his dodge rampage is uh pretty lethal he actually took it on a trip from washington dc all the way to dallas for some fountain that was part of like u.s soccer history or something i don't know now i know how people feel when i talk about wine or some eccentric portion of alcohol because i understood maybe 20% 20% of what you just said. Well, you know. Yeah, how can you have a rampage without all those things? Obviously. Well, What's up, yeah. Chris? You getting shown up by Pablo on his rampageness? You know what, dude? That guy did all the work himself. I wish I was that talented to be able to work on my cars in that fashion. Yeah, having kids and a couple jobs, that's that's probably what's in between you and uh, being able to work on the car a little bit more. Mm, yeah. All right, boys. And- um, that's, that's, that's really all I had for today's show in the rundown. Um, anything else you guys wanted to talk about before we go ahead and wrap the show up? What's going on with y'all? I'm just I'm looking forward to the season and you know the preseason. The schedule is out, 
So maybe we should announce that real quick. I think that was in the notes. I think I may have just glossed over it. Yeah, I, mean, I think so, it's right. the right moment to, Save the to, best for the to last. speak to it. Yeah. Go for it, Christian. Yeah, the LAFC preseason schedule. First match is on January 21st, which is a Saturday. It's LAFC against Real Salt Lake, closed door friendly. The 28th, LAFC against New York City FC, also closed door. And Monday, February 6th, LAFC against DC United at 2 p.m. And this is part of that Coachella Invitational uh, at the Empire Polo Club, Saturday, February the 11th, LAFC against Toronto. So Cherundulo against Bob Bradley, pre-season edition, 11 a.m. Pacific at the Empire Polo Club, Saturday, February 18th. And this is when we start getting close to the season. That's LAFC against San Diego Loyal. That's at 5 p.m. Pacific at the bank. So looking forward to that and you know getting whatever the front office and the PR team is willing to share in terms of progress fitness leading up to the uh, season opener at, at the Rose Bowl I'm really looking forward to that game versus San Diego Loyal the pod father himself Jerry Jimenez works for the San Diego Loyal so it's going to be uh kind of the the Jerry Bowl if you will or uh the Cheeto Challenge the Cheeto Cup we're not exactly sure what we're going to call this one yet but uh shouts to our friend Jerry Jimenez it's going to be fun to see the loyal come up i know that is a Landon Donovan owned team so that certainly adds a little spice to it as well too as there are a lot of Carson ties there but i certainly wanted to point out that there are some black and gold ties there of course Jerry Jimenez the founder of the Heart of LAFC podcast which is uh, you know been turned over to Joseph Zacker but Jerry will always be remembered as one of the best guys in the 3252 and in the LAFC community and on rare occasions still makes an appearance here at the bank or on a podcast from time to time so Shouts, Jerry. We love you. We are friends in the outdoor world um, for the time being. We are not friends in the indoor world because, of course, uh, Jerry works for the arch rivals of the Empire Strikers, the San Diego Soccers, who are pretty darn good. I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a pretty good team down there. I don't think they've lost a game in regulation in like two years. So let's hope that Jerry's outdoor team does not have the success that his current indoor team is having at the moment. But uh you guys, uh, is there one on that map that, uh, you know, really stands out to you? I know we're going to try and leverage some press access to try and get into those closed door friendlies to get you guys some information. I do not plan on giving AEG my money to go out for the Coachella Valley Invitational. But uh, what are you guys thinking? I don't that that whole mindset. I'm not going to give AEG my money. You give them their money when you go to see the Galaxy play at uh, uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park. Not a scrimmage. That is a official regular season game. That's oh, a little God. different than spending $70 to bring my own lawn chair to go out and watch a game in Coachella. Somebody else, I was having this conversation with somebody else too, and I don't remember who it was. Oh, it was Philly. I was having this conversation with Philly. He was saying that he doesn't want to spend and give AEG his money either. He and I are of a like mind with regard to this one. I'm with you on that. I'm going to go to, I bought tickets to go to the game on the 11th. I'm going to go and watch LAFC play Toronto. Well, you'll be there with Scarf. So just as Defenders of the Bank is divided in their opinion on this, so is shoulder to shoulder. But uh, the 12th is Gabriel's birthday. So we're going to drive down and watch the game on the 11th. Uh, But uh, honestly, the game I'm most looking forward to is actually the San Diego Loyal. You know, there is that rumor about the MLS bid in San Diego and that it could be the San Diego Loyal that is actually going to fulfill that bid. And if it does, that would be really cool. I'd be really interested in seeing that come to fruition. We were really excited when Sacramento Republic were going to be filling the MLS bid and having a fourth team in California. And now if it ends up being the San Diego Loyal, 
I think that that's just as cool. I actually think that might be a little better. Visiting San Diego for an away day is drastically better than visiting Sacramento on away days. Hey, hey don't knock Sacktown. Sacktown's a fun place to go. They have like, I mean, like South Sacramento has like a ton of really fun places to go hang out and chill. It's not, it's not San Diego, but but Sac Sacktown's a fun town. I don't want to hate on them. I, I've enjoyed well, my time spent in Sacramento. Plus, too, with the new stadium that the San Diego Loyal playing, that Snapdragon Stadium over it for San Diego State University. It's like brand new stadium, all the nice amenities. I'm sure so. It'll be cool. I'm hoping that San Diego Loyal, because that would be the other thing that's kind of a burn, right? Is like you have this fan base that. From what I've seen optically, it looks like the San Diego Loyal have a very active support. And so to see that and then for the league to just say, nah, we're going to give a different San, we're going to create a San Diego team. And it's like, why are you going to try and do double work? And then, you know, you might have one fan base shift over to the other because they want to support an MLS team. And so I just I, I think that it makes most sense to have San Diego Loyal become the MLS side. But I mean, I'm not I'm not. I think that's official, isn't it? Didn't they they get like some Egyptian gajillionaire that backed them and and the fees are paid and it's happening? It's not official, but it's I think they have an inside track. Like the other the other bid that is alleged to have an inside track, but then it gets over 30 is Vegas, Las Vegas. So Which I'd be okay with that too. I'd, I'd be okay with that too, right? Uh I don't it'd be hot. It'd be really hot though, unless they gotta be indoor. It's got to yeah. be an indoor stadium. Um, there's no way you can play in the summer in Vegas and not have a roof on that place. So I, I would imagine it's a roof stadium, mm-hmm. which means turf, unless they find some way to like bring in grow lights or have one of those retractable fields that goes outside or something like that. I, I don't know how they're going to pull it off, but not a fan of turf. We know this unless it's unless it's in the MASL, in which case that's the greatest show on turf. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder that Snapdragon Stadium, I wonder, is that grass or is that artificial? It better be. It's San Diego. They have the weather. I'm looking forward to seeing Toronto just because all the signings that they had last season, um, I think finally, hopefully being integrated. And I think it'd be a good measuring stick leading up to the, the actual season. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, though, if these preseason matches, you, you don't necessarily see the lineups as they would if it was a regular season match. And so, you know, you can only pull so much information given what the lineups are. And we have no idea what the lineups will look like. I mean, they could be our starting 11, but. They may not be either. Given that it's February 18th, I think you're more likely to see starters in that game than the January games uh, or even the first February game. Just because, I mean, you're so close to start a season at that point, I feel like you've got to be ramping up your starters and wanting them to get some more minutes. I think you're probably more likely to to see that be uh, – be your potential starting at least for like the first 30 40 minutes or so Uh, and then we'll probably see some significant rotation who we're going to be rotating to is the real question because as of right now there's not a whole lot of other people on the roster to really bring in um certainly in forward and defender i think we're, we're pretty good but in midfield big questions right now so that's going to be a great opportunity then to see whoever our new midfielders may be take the pitch uh, good call out there, Christian. Uh, fantastic for bringing up preseason schedule. Good stuff there. Uh, anything else, gentlemen, that you guys wanted to discuss? Anything else going on in the black and gold community? I think signups are still happening for the five aside to benefit Mofasio. You can check out uh, 110 Football, I believe, and Defenders of the Bank had some great posts on that. I think signups are still live for that to happen. So you can check that out going on over there. If you want to come out and see an Empire Strikers game, we're playing next Tuesday at home at Toyota Arena there in Ontario. 
you can come on out, hit me up. I'll get you guys some tickets if you want to come join us to watch us take on, I think it is the Harrisburg Heat, or as I affectionately refer to them, the Great Soccer Balls of Fire, as their logo is a flaming soccer ball, uh, that are coming into town. You can see Adrian Perez, former LAFC player, uh, who's been killing it for the Empire Strikers. Come out and support Adrian Perez if you want a little black and gold connection there. Um, gentlemen, anything else before we go ahead and wrap it up? That's Any it. update on uh, 3252 uh, memberships for the 2023 season? I believe membership sales will go live in February, early February, probably just a couple weeks before the start of the season. But right now, um, you cannot buy a membership until I, I think it's I would have to double check with Rafa. But I want to say it's like February 8th or something like that is, is when memberships will go live for next year. Obviously, folks, buy your 3252 memberships, even if you are not actively involved in the 3252 or have seats in the 3252 or even a resident of California. You know, that money goes to charity. That money goes to TIFOs. That money goes to a lot of community work going on with the 3252. No one profits from a dime of that. It's not like we're going out and spending that money on our beer money for a party or anything like that. All of that money goes into the fantastic TIFOs that we put out every single year, which are incredibly expensive to do. You know, being a member of the 3252 Council and seeing some of those bills for what a TIFO costs, those things are insanely expensive to produce. And obviously, the 3252 does a ton of work within the community that is not cheap to do either. So highly encourage you guys to buy those 3252 memberships when they become available. I believe we're about three to four weeks away from next year's memberships going live. I have no idea what next year's membership gift is going to be. But uh, as soon as that goes public, we'll definitely be shouting about that as well, too. I think that about wraps us up for this week's episode, unless you gentlemen want to interject with any final thoughts. All right, folks, that'll do it. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to episode 144 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. As always, if you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us at LAFCS2S. We would love to hear supporter stories, fan stories from across the black and gold community, wherever you may be. We would love to have you come on and be a guest of the show. On behalf of myself, Chris, Christian, and the legend sound engineer, Wilton, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Take us home, sticks. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Fill the force up a supernova. Stay flying at FC Dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fit. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.